Canucks Central Friday. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah with you in the Kintec studio. Kintec Studios on the road today. We are at Rogers Arena to check out the Canucks and Columbus Blue Jackets, the Canucks' final game before bye week, which leads into the All-Star break. So they are off until early February from here on out. Dan Richo, Satyar Shaw, Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Uh, Canucks Twitter was uh, all excited today, Sat. Yeah. Because uh, Lane Peterson was going through line rushes back with Elias Patterson and Andre Kuzmenko. We know they had a couple of games where they had some big-time success. Mm-hmm. And then after practice, uh, the Canucks announced that Lane Peterson would be uh, placed on waivers and later assigned to the Abbotsford Canucks. Yeah, and unfortunately, it's uh, it's nothing exciting uh, to, oh. to report on. And I hate Here comes doing Sad this. again. I know. The boring Everybody update. was like, there's a trade coming for sure. Boring update. No. It's the boring update. No so, trade. Yeah, I mean, as far as I know, who knows? Okay. I mean, uh, it, no, we, we still have a couple hour, hours before puck <laughs> drop. And I mean, it wouldn't, sh- you know, so I mean, we're at a stage now where everything. We're one ca- phone call away. We're one phone call away. We're all on edge, right? Yeah. We're, we're looking for this telltale signs that something's about to go down and maybe there's uh, something imminent there on that front. What I was told mostly about the situation or in general about, you know, these types of uh, roster moves ahead of an all-star or ahead of the Canucks bye week, getting their cap in order, which is. Why have a guy up here? And Lane Peterson has a clear waivers before he can be sent down. So you put him on waivers today. He goes, he gets sent down. You probably send Pier, uh, uh, Phil DiGiuseppe down as well. So you'll get a couple guys down to play in the AHL, take some money off your books a little bit on LTIR, and you kind of put yourself in a spot over the bye week to have slightly more flexibility on your cap or whatever it is you might be looking to do. So uh, there is the answers on uh, on that situation. We will get to speak with Patrick Alvine later today. He is scheduled to join the show at 5.30. Canucks signing Andre Kuzmenko to a two-year extension yesterday. And Patrick Alvine will then later speak to media after tonight's matchup with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Also on the show, Yannick Hansen will join us in just a couple of moments. A mailbag for your listening pleasure. We have um, lots of questions already coming in, as you could imagine, given the last couple of weeks here in Vancouver and the time of year that it is. Trade deadlines starting to creep up just a little over a month away. Plus, uh, Cheech, John Garrett will join us uh, here at Rogers Arena. Cheech Friday instead of a Cheech Thursday. Cheech, uh, I don't know. He's he's all booked up on Thursdays. Yeah, And, and, and Josh was terrified of trying to uh, reschedule them again after last week. So he's like, we got to get Cheech in on Friday. We're getting Cheech in on a Friday. We don't want like, he's, he's, you know, he's got a lot of thoughts. Cheech's got a lot of things to say. So he's got takes. He's probably he listening to, to this on the drive in and he's going to just like yell at us for the first five minutes of the interview. Should be great. So we do have, um, you know, the more Rick Tockett really starts to get a handle on this team sat. And he spoke again today and you know, I come away from almost every so far. And I know coaches will tend to start repeating themselves in the long run yeah. and that sort of thing, but um 
the first impressions of uh, Rick Tockett have been positive, at least in my opinion. And his every avail, there seems to be some nuggets, um, some insight into what could be happening as he's taking over this team. So we need to get a little bit more uh, of, you know, uh, a track record to see exactly what is going on and see how this progresses here. But uh, I do think Rick Tockett is uh, making it pretty clear that there's a lot of work to do here in Vancouver, as we know. Let's bring in Yannick Hansen. He joins us every Friday on Canuck Central. All right, Yannick, um, first impressions of Rick Tockett so, so far. Well, he got shown uh, the, the work ahead of him, I think. Um, <laughs> obviously, the first game against the Blackhawks was, uh, well, if they play the Blackhawks 35 more times, we're going to make the playoff. Um, so, so, yeah, again, it was obviously uh, back to reality in, in Seattle. They're a good team and all of this on the second half of a back-to-back. But, but it's the same thing that's been plagued this team. It's penalty killing. It's... Uh, commitment it's it's all of those little things that that we've been that we've been talking about for for a long time now um so yeah uh, great that he's mentioning it and he can see it um again the changes uh, i still will have to come down to to personal um changes because because it's it's too long it's too much so uh, for me personally that that's what i'm looking at now like i'm almost at the point where I'm just scoreboard watching. Uh, I'm watching the teams beneath Canucks, and again, you watch the Canucks at the end of the night, and I hate to say this, but you hope that they, they don't get too many points because uh, it won't serve them well in the other end. Yeah, the scoreboard uh, was, was favorable to the Canucks, at least uh, last night it was. Um, but, you know, a lot of the things Talkett has, has talked about so far, Yannick, is... You know, we got to get better with our line changes. Uh, we've we've got to trust each other more. Um, you know, live to see the next shift. It, it it seems like, you know, he's really breaking it down to the studs as far as uh, you know where he wants to at least grow a foundation from with this team. Yeah, and and that is probably what you need. Um, but again, sometimes the foundation is is crackling, and you and you need a brand new one. Um, so again, yeah, he needs to instill his beliefs and his culture and how he wants this team to play go, going forward. Um, but, but again, you, he's going to need uh, some of his players in here to play the plays the way he wants to. Uh, and that's kind of what we touched on before they brought in uh, the new coaches. Like a new coach going to want to bring his his own guys in. Um, and again, that won't happen right now because it is like it's the middle of the season. You can't do it. You're not trading or signing players right now. So what you have is is who you get. So yeah, he's just gonna get a a look at his players. Um, but again, the, the real change won't won't really come until uh, till the off season. Is maybe the most valuable thing he can do is set the rules that they talk about. I know some of the players discuss that it's good to have some different rules in terms of what they do and him essentially being a disciplinarian who upholds those rules and standards. Is that maybe the most valuable thing he can do? It would be nice to to see that accountability come in and, and shine yeah. really shine through because you can do that accountability now with no fear of, of the repercussions. Like you weren't going to sit out your your top guys or make them this shift um, if you're in a playoff hunt because you, you still need them. Um, but but you, can, you can really do that. And now you can really send a message uh, to, to these guys that this is how we're going to be doing it and then hopefully weed out 
the, 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 the blatant ones. Uh, the ones that are that are screaming at us on TV, those like everybody can see, and then slowly, slowly chip away uh, to get to a point where it's like this is this is actually passable now, and and way we know they can offensively, um, and again uphold the the rules, and then live to see another shift and all these things. Like we we might actually have something here. Um, that that would be a positive way to to end this season, if you will. Um, but again, it, 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 it's still a long ways to go. Um, so again, we'll, we'll see. What does a coach mean when he says live to see another shift? Uh, don't hurt yourself. Don't get, don't, don't get scored on. Um, again, play another shift. Get late in the game. Uh, if you're the underdog, if you will, um, you're better off at playing a tie game right till the end, get your point, and then take your luck in, in overtime. That kind of that sense that don't get out and, and hurt yourself. Um, don't give McDavid breakaways. Don't give him two on ones. Um, these things that will hurt you. Um, and then again, if players like that they beat you one on one, go through you. Well, okay, then then they earn earn their points. But but don't give them easy ones. Um, so when you you hear coaches talking about uh, making it difficult to play against, live to see another day. Um, all, all of these these uh, cliches. It is basically what it boils down to. Like, don't don't shoot yourself in the foot. Don't uh, don't give up easy chances. Um, don't take bad penalties. There there's obviously lots of little things to this, but it all comes back to uh, don't get scored on. Don't get down in games for for reason you shouldn't be. Well, and you know, because we hear a lot about systems, and honestly, like I know you played in the league as well, and the systems are not too different. But when we hear people talk about putting their own system in and putting structure in. Is really when you boil it. What's the most simple way of for you to explain that to our listeners? Is it as simple as just the position of where guys are, especially when you have the puck and when you don't have the puck? Yeah, uh, some things are rules. Uh, for instance, if we just go uh, on a defensive side of it, so are we going to sit back in a one-four um, and try to clog up the neutral zone? A lot of teams that are weaker, not as good, will try to do that because then you use the blue line as an extra guy um, and you try to turn that puck over in between the two blue lines and then go for a cheap counterattack. That, that's, uh, that's sitting back, that's systems. Um, a, another way, a little more aggressive, is, is you're putting your wingers all the way up on the two defensemen. So when a defenseman stands behind the net with the puck, you have one right up front. The other D-man will most likely be in the corner. You lock up on him as well. Now you're counting on your two defensemen and most likely the center to because now there's a lot of room behind these two guys. Um, but again, if you're better skater players, um, better set in your ways, um, you wanna you wanna invite the one on one because cool by you being better, you're gonna win these one on one. So you, you don't want to get into a, um, too much of a track there. So there's there's little things where. Um, own systems, but that that's an easy way to do the defensive side again. But there, there's obviously a lot of nuances to that as well. Um, what do you do in your own zone? Um, again, do you play man-on-man man or do you play a zone defense? Man-on-man, uh, man, again, invites you being better. You need to be better skater, stronger in all these things. Um, so if you're a weaker team, again, you might lean into a zone because then when it does break down, it doesn't matter as much because there's more coverage. Um, so those are the things where... Some coaches, they swear by certain things, uh, and others, they are 
a little more tentative. And then there are obviously the way you should be doing it is you should be coaching the team you have and, and adapt to that. Um, but again, it, it is it is how you set up. It is how you forecheck. It is how you defend um, your, your systems. And there aren't too many variations of this. Um, but, but again, it, it takes time to get it dialed in. So when you're, your heart rate is going at 200 miles an hour, you're not thinking because that's when you get in trouble. Well, that's where it comes down to that muscle memory, right? Like you do it over and over again, so you become second nature, and that's going to kind of take time. But one of the things, too, that you're right, it's so early, and usually it takes some time for them to implement these things. But one of the things that talk has talked has, has, has discussed is trying to protect the house more. And I noticed just a, a couple of times, and they, it got away, they got away from them quite a bit against Seattle, but having the defensemen stay a lot tighter and, and staying closer to the post. I noticed a lot of the defensemen in, in the Seattle game were still stopping at the goal line yeah so we've seen that a couple times too under bruce not that it's bruce fault or whatever but uh, two or three guys behind your own uh, goal line and then puck mm-hmm. comes out in front and you get scored on and you obviously don't want to see that um and again protecting the house um every single stat that ever gets thrown at you by media or statisticians or whatever it shows you the majority of goals get scored right in around the net um that's where the danger spot is. So again, you want to protect that. Um, give give the shot from the outside, and, and goalies should save them. Um, so so again, I, I can I can see that. Um, I don't know if that wasn't Bruce's mentality as well uh, to defend in front of the house. I'm assuming it was. Um, but there are obviously something where you can uh, cookie cutter this and say, no, I want a defenseman in front of the net, and you stay there no matter what. And if you don't, it's your fault. Um, but again, that kind of takes the, the the thinking of the players away and the adapting and, and playing a little bit quicker if you all of a sudden have these set rules. Uh, I had this one time, um, I think it was under Willie, where, where we switched a little bit and all of a sudden now the center uh, was going back and forth in, in the corners in our own end instead of if there was a D-man free, he could go and he might only have half the distance. No, now they wanted the centerman to cover the full length of the of the defensive zone, and that obviously put a lot more taxing on the center. Now you're skating a lot more, chasing a lot more. Um, but again, it's it's some of those things where you do know we have set rules, and now you got to execute, um, and then you live and die by the sword. Yannick Hansen, our guest here on uh, on Canuck Central. And all these things we've been uh, we've been talking about, you know, uh, putting in rules. Uh, talk it harping on line changes you know has to be a you know, has to be a lot better non-negotiable should, should this like should they need a coach to be bringing in these things like uh, isn't this something like internally as players you should up, uphold these standards together as a group yeah you, you never want to get hit with those line changes there, there, there's two two nuances to this there's obviously the, the too many men on the penalties and that's a little more like that that happens because guys wave off and puck comes and all these little things but the the line changes that in my opinion needs to be cleaned up it's the one where it's bad changes that don't necessarily need leads to um to penalties in that instance but they they lead to opportunities uh odd men rushes goals uh not being in a position when the other teams are coming changing on uh on the way into the offensive zone instead of defensive all these little things that uh, again, it's it's easier said than done uh, because, again, you, you're always thinking, oh, we're downhill now. I'm going to take this uh, rush chance or go up and see what happens offensively. But then coming back, you're going to be tired, and then you're coming off, 
and now you're putting the next guys in a in a bad position. So again, you should always change on on the way up. Um, but but obviously it's it's easier said than done. But but those are the ones that that stands out to me, um, where you not necessarily take a penalty, but you're still hurting your team in way of momentum or just controlling uh, where the puck is and where it's going to go through your shifts. Now, Andre Kuzmenko uh, ended up signing that, a two-year contract, as you know, Yannick, $5.5 million per season. And, and I think the contract's perfectly fine in terms of what he's getting paid and you know how well he's played on this team. Now, what a lot of people are wondering is where is the change coming from? Uh, you know, Should they have signed the players? Should they have traded him? But I guess it all comes down, Yannick, doesn't it, to all the other moves that you're making when it comes to you know, guys not being on this team. Like, do you see it making sense for Kuzmenko and Vancouver for him to be here, especially if they do find a way to, say, move a Besser or a Garland? Yeah, it's about as vanilla as it could probably get. I mean, he's he, he's played well. Um, no problem with the contract. It's good numbers. It's good length. Uh, he's got a limited no trade, so you can trade him if you want to. Um, but again, it, it's just like he's probably one of those guys that you could pedal off for uh, – a significant uh, haul if you wanted to, considering where you were um, in the last offseason with a player like that. So I have no problem. But, but again, what is the direction here? Um, um, that, that's what stands out to me again. And again, we don't have the overall picture yet because we don't know what's going to happen through the deadline and, and in the summer. Um, but again, it, it was one of those cards that they had that uh, they could trade and they p- could potentially get something back in uh, value back in return for. And now he's obviously signed. That must mean they're they're keeping him unless it's a sign and, and, and trade kind of thing, which maybe doesn't make as much sense on, on his side. Um, but, but again, it, it's uh, right now it, it's status quo to me. When, when you see Kuzmenko playing... Um... Do you see a player that can even grow from what he's been this year so far, his first year in the NHL? Well, you hope so. Um, again, it's a very good year for him, uh, more than I expected of him um, when coming into this season. So he's definitely uphold his part of the barking here. Um, and again, another step, um, I don't know. Uh, he's played a lot of first-line power play minutes. He's played with PD a lot. Um, so are you tapped at potential? Uh uh, I'm, I'm not sure, but but again, he's been he's been very good for them and a great find. Uh, and again, you you hope that they can find a couple more of these guys because that's what will move the team in, in the right direction. As far as the rest of the season is concerned, now Yannick, especially when you look at a guy like Rick Tockett, is, is there a player here that you heard the organization mention? They believe there are some guys here that could do more with more opportunity. Do you see any of those players here that, that are intriguing to you, whether that's Jack Studnika, whether that's Dakota Joshua, whomever? Like, is there anybody here that intrigues you in terms of maybe showing more, like this organization may think, especially under a new head coach? Uh, unfortunately, no. They're in the minors. Um, I think I, I, I've seen enough of the one. Like, and this is not uh, taking down uh, Peter Energy's guys, but, but I, I think... Uh, this, this, this is what we see, and again, the, the bottom line guys there, Dakota Joshua and, and Curtis Lazar, that, that's what we see. Um, Ethan Bear, Thurmer, these guys, I don't think all of a sudden they're going to turn into something. Uh, they, they weren't. Um, what, what again, is, is interesting in, in the players with some untapped potential, and that tends to be the young guys. Um, 
So again, you'd like to see what he can do with a putt Colton. Can he get a Hoglander back in uh, uh, on the right track? Uh, what can you do with a Rathbone? Um, what, what can you do with a Bull Lockwood? These type of guys. Because um, again, you will need you will need these guys to fill some holes. Uh, you will need these guys, type of players, to turn into to something that you weren't quite expecting in order to, to propel this team forward. Um, granted, you, you're not trading and signing players from, from the outside. You know, uh, one thing I, I had been meaning to ask you, uh, given the, the results in Seattle and then Tockett after the game calls the team soft, is that, is that the worst thing a coach can call his team? <laughs> yeah, or, or afraid. Uh, I don't know, but they're in the same category, in my opinion. But it, it's not good because um, we pride ourselves, and I say we hockey players pride ourselves in, in being a, obviously uh, put our in front of our um, ourselves and the team in front of ourselves, and we play hard and all of these cliches you keep hearing in interviews and and being called soft is. Uh, is the opposite of that. So no, it's not good to hear, um, and it it questions everything about you as individual players because that's what it comes down to. But but as your team as well, and like I said, it it's it's not good to hear because it it falls on on leadership, it, it falls on on the veterans, it falls on the rookies, um, and it it's not something you want to get labeled as in anyway Yannick you're the best always appreciate your insights have a great weekend yeah you too enjoy the game uh, there he is Yannick Hansen, uh, our Friday analyst here on Canuck Central and always bringing uh, incredible insight on the team he is brought to you by Magnuson Auto Group Metro Ford Port Coquitlam and Magnuson Ford in Abbotsford on both sides of the Fraser to serve you um, so as Yannick just said there it's about as bad a thing as you can say as a coach talking about your team, calling them soft. Yeah, I mean, it's something that, you know, I was listening to 30, uh, 32 Thoughts, too, and Merrick and Friedman were talking about it. And, you know, Friedman told a story about how he, how when he was, you know, he mentioned when he was working with Healy one night about a player or a team that played soft, and, and Healy pulled him aside afterwards and said, you know, that's that's about as tough as it gets in terms of criticisms. You better be able to back it up. And he, and he said, that's as bad as it is, right? And whether you hear it from Yannick, you hear it from other people, it's, yeah. it's something that really goes to the character of a team, right? The fact that Talk had used that car two games in, I think it was just to say, hey, like I know what's been going on. I've heard what's been going on. I saw it once. That's all I need. You guys are soft. Or you guys played soft. You guys play soft way too often. Yeah. And you guys got to come to grips with, grips with that, and you got to change that. There's no beating around the bush. And I think it's a good way for Taka to start off because now everybody really knows what he feels about the team and where everybody stands. The question is, when you go from the breaking down point, how do you build them up? Yeah. And how do you get them to buy in to being built back up? Uh, it is Dan Richo, Satyar Shah. A lot of question marks about where this team is right now, where they are headed, what is to come in the wake of Andre Kuzmenko's extension. It's a mailbag. We do it every Friday, and these are the reasons why. You have questions. We try to have some answers for you, and we'll do that next on Canuck Central.
Canuck Central. Dan Richo, Satyo Shah in the Kid Tech studio on the road. We're at Rogers Arena. Get ready for the Canucks and Columbus Blue Jackets. This hour is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company helping local business since 1892. Um, coming up, we've got Patrick Aldine joining us. Uh, he will be a guest with us at 5.30 today. Uh, we'll be a guest with Dan Murphy during tonight's broadcast on Sportsnet as well. So uh, you'll get a lot of Patrick Alvin, who will then speak to media coming up after tonight's game against the Columbus Blue Jackets. So uh, sort of a, all right, we're at the all-star break, sort of check-in from the general manager. Yes. And I just signed Andre Kuzmenko to a two-year deal. Yeah, and uh, why haven't you traded Bo Horvat yet? You know, and, and those questions. <laughs> I, I mean, that is probably like one of the most common questions on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. That's what we're, what we're getting more than anything. You know, why haven't you traded Bo and why is Bo still playing? You know, those are the two <laughs> questions we've, we've been getting the most uh, to ask Patrick Alvin. So we will ask about Bo Horvat when when, uh, when he does join the show. Yeah, and uh, so we'll, we'll see how... Uh, how that works uh it's you know um so many questions for the gm he does have quite the task to turn this thing around um you know it is it, it ultimately is a talent thing right like you've got to get more talent in here and uh, something that has because ever since I, I, I put the promo tweet out yesterday, Sat, and a lot of people were like, why didn't they never fix the defense? And which direction is this going? They need to get better on defense. Why did they add Mikheyev and not get better on defense? Something that we have to remember with this team, and I think is, is a big part of how they get some cap flexibility, they already have one of the most expensive defenses in the league. <laughs> well, I've been talking about that forever. I mean, I you already have one of the highest paid blue lines. You've got to get rid of players off that blue line, it's, whether you're buying them out or trading them out. I mean, you're going to have to do that. The money they spend up front isn't necessarily where the problem is. It's, I mean, there's problems there too, but you know, they've got to move out some money on defense before they can add money mm -hmm. back there. And I think that is ultimately one of their toughest tasks because of the situation with both Oliver Ekman Larson and Tyler Myers. And until you figure that out, then we uh, we don't know how you're going to manage that. All right. Uh, he's been raring to go. He missed last week's hits um, because we were unable to reschedule. It's our it's our fault. Uh, but it is the legend, John Garrett, joining us now here on Canuck Central. What's happening, Cheech? Not much. I was snubbed. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think there's any way around it. I was snubbed. I was just, uh, yeah, you're way down on the list. And, uh, yeah. You, we don't need you on. We're not having you on. We don't have to do that, and we're not going to. Hey, new coach, new rules, okay, Cheech? That's it? Yeah. Cheech, That's is, it. Cheech is more upset uh, at us uh, right what, now. what was your uh, uh, successibility, or what was that one you were using at the start of the season, oh, Sad? Uh, sustainability. Sustainability. <laughs> and it wasn't sustainable, remember? It was sustainable. It wasn't sustainable, yeah. Remember they yeah. won 9 out of 11, and I'm like, not this is not sustainable hockey. It's not sustainable. And it no. wasn't. Can we let in five goals a night? That's sustainable. Yes, we can do that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they have figured out how to do that, you know? <laughs> so, oh, man. Cheech is more upset about the snub than uh, Lee fans are about William Nylander not going to the All-Star game. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Let's invite the guy from the hometown team that's better. <laughs> 
and uh, the least will complain because William Nylander is yeah. there. <laughs> bigger snub. The Ottawa is complaining because Tim Stutzler is not there. Come on. Yeah. Uh, bigger snub. The Canucks signing JT Miller before Bull Horvat, or us not having you on last week? <laughs> uh, you guys not having me on. I, I think that's yeah. it. And, and the Thursday night thing has just gone right out the window. So here I am on Friday, and fun Friday. And you guys talking about, uh, okay, improve, who was out there on defense? You, you talk about, okay, they should have improved the defense. Who was out there Yeah, that they could have got? There wasn't a ton. No. And uh, you, you can't just, well, get rid of this guy because he makes yeah. too much money. you got to have somebody. That's why I think the Andre Kuzmenko thing, everybody that's saying, well, you, you could have got value for him. and you, Yeah, what value? You get a couple of draft picks that you never know if they're going to work out. A couple of prospects that you never know if they're going to work out. And here you got a guy that can play in your top six for sure, that has some chemistry with Elias Pettersson for sure, and you got him for two more years. And then you can decide in, in two years. You can't just tear it all down and throw out a junior B team and say, oh, well, look at, yeah, we got $70 million of cap space and we got the Trenton Golden Hawks out there. <laughs> you got to have. NHL team, uh, what it just makes no sense to me. I listen to it all day long, and then I listen to your post game show on my drive home, and I get caught in traffic, and then I've got to listen, and then I finally get to hear the coach an hour and a half after the, the game's <laughs> over. And I'm just getting in the door, and then I, you know, the the thing about Kuzmenko, um, to, for me at least, is like you don't have too many sure things on this roster, but it, it feels like after what we've seen. Like, one of the things you can almost bank on moving forward is Kuzmenko and Elias Pettersson having a lot of chemistry together. Well, that's it. And, you know, people say, well, he's 26, 27, going to be 27. And uh, that's still basically a prime. You look at how many guys around the league that takes a little while before they make it and before they really establish themselves. And here's a guy that's come over and in his first season looks so comfortable. Uh, loves Vancouver, no complaints about playing in Vancouver and the pressure of the fans and all that kind of stuff. He's having fun. Uh, to me, it, it was a good signing. As far as this all making sense, because we were talking Yannick as well and others, Yannick's, you know, uh, a bit of a different opinion. But for me, this all comes down to what we talked about for, for such a long time. What's the overall plan going to look like? Because they keep saying they're going to subtract from the roster and they're going to, you know, reshape this team. But so far, they haven't done that. Could it make more sense, maybe to, to everybody, if we look at this in the off season and Kuzmenko's here and they found a way to move a few guys off this roster? Yeah. Oh, I, I think what the honey badger have to say anyway. I I didn't listen to it. I got here too soon. You know, I, I was in the car and I was listening to you guys and then. Uh, Yannick came on, but anyway, it doesn't really matter uh, because uh, this summer, then you can start to reconstruct is the word that I think they're mm. using instead of rebuild, but uh, you can start to, if you have to buy people out, but you have to have replacements. You can't just say, well, okay, this this guy's had a decent year in Abbotsford and uh, he's he's going to be in their top four defense. You have to have some established NHL guys. You can't just throw out. Uh, you look at the bad teams this year, and there's uh, Anaheim signed John Klingberg. Yeah. I mean, you have to have some guys. 
Uh, even Columbus, we were talking to head coach Brad Larson yesterday on, on the show, and you know he talked about more because of injuries at, at different points this year. They've had to have nine rookies at a time in the lineup, and you know they, they they've about as underachieved as much as as almost anybody else. Um, because of of the injuries that they've gone under, but well, what's their common? Okay, let's just cut right to the chase here. Yeah, Columbus and Vancouver. What do they have in common? Uh, near the bottom of the standings. Okay, that's it. <laughs> look at the goals against average, and look at the goaltending. Yeah, they can't defend. No, well, and, and they can't stop. The, they can't stop the puck. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, so as far as the goaltending is concerned, I mean, it's clear. Delia and Spencer Martin are at best NHL backup goaltenders. Yes. But at the same time, how do we evaluate what they truly are when the team plays the way they do in front of them, right? Like it's are they do they look worse than they actually are based on how it's gone the last few days or are they maybe just AHL goalies maybe? <laughs> well, you want me <laughs> Well, I mean, okay, I, I, okay, I could okay. be I could be painfully I'll, I'll, honest here. I'll, I'll, okay, be, uh, okay, be here's here's my it. take on it. Here's yeah. my take on it that uh, you get guys who, like Colin Delia and like Spencer Martin, who can be uh, decent NHL backups. But you always have uh, the safety cushion of having the number one guy sitting there on the bench. And if you have a bad game, then he's going to come out and play the next three. And then you can regroup and reset and you can get ready for your next start. And it's probably not going to be in a good place, but uh, you'll be ready. And they don't have that. They don't have that number one goalie mentality and because the team is not playing very well they don't have a chance to get reset because uh, the one guy gets five against you got to go with the other guy the other guy gets five against so now you got to go with the other guy and and then you have a good first period you think everything's going great and then you give up a breakaway goal or whatever and then it starts to go south again you just can't get anything going because your mentality you've never been a number one goalie and you've been around for a while, and you're signed, you're being paid. Uh, was it you, Sat, or somebody else telling me that the two goalies now make one fifty third of the payroll? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The cap hit for the two goalies. So you kind of get what you pay for. You're you've got two backup goalies that should be backups, and instead they're front and center. And I feel for them. I I really do. Because it's a completely different attitude, and especially on a bad team, where you just have to go out and uh, and I'm dating myself, but I'm uh, Jules Malosh, person like that, played in Cleveland and Oakland and all those bad places, Minnesota when they weren't very good, but he was very good goalie night after night after night on a bad team, and that's what you have to be. You just have to be stop the ones you're supposed to stop. And then if they score, if the other team scores good goals on great plays, that's fine. But stop the ones you're supposed to stop. Don't let in bad goals because there's nothing more deflating on a team that's struggling to have a uh, long floater go in. when, And then you say, oh, man, there's no way we're going to come back now. Uh, I don't know. When you said Jill's Malosh, I, th- I started thinking of Jill's Jill's Graton with the uh, with the great <laughs> the great mask, the, the man behind the tiger uh, mask. Gratuni, he's got a book too. <laughs> oh, does he? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh. Looney Gratuni or something. I haven't read it yet, but uh, I- I- impossible to forget that mask. I'll, I'll say that much. <laughs> um, okay, first impressions of R- Rick Tockett. I I I like Rick Tockett. I've known Rick for a long time, and. 
Uh, he's such a fierce competitor. He he's actually I played against Rick Dog. Here's here's a game, one of our Bill LaForge games. Wow. Okay. Uh, so you, you we're think- in Philadelphia, <laughs> and early in the season, and we've just been getting kicked everywhere we've gone. And we had a couple of injuries, and uh, we're going to be Bill LaForge hockey, and we're not built for Bill LaForge hockey. We got Petri Skrico and Tony Tanty and John Mark Lanty, and we're we're not built for Bill LaForge hockey. But we're going to beat the Broad Street Bullies in their own building. Richard starts and lets in seven uh, in about halfway through the game. So Bill decides, okay, we'll switch goalies. That'll help. I go in and let in six. and it, So it's 13-2 to two it ends up. We ended up uh, with no defensemen left because we were going to goon it up against the Flyers. Uh, John Mark Lanthier ended up playing defense. They had a five-on-three for about eight minutes. Brad Marsh was doing laps, and the Philly fans were just eating it up. <laughs> And we lost 13-2. to two. And Rick Tockett got a couple, I think, that night. And, but he was unbelievable. He was sixth-round pick. And all the games he played and 400 goals, 2,000 penalty minutes, he's such a fierce competitor. And it, you can tell he cares. And uh, he, he's not afraid to challenge. And I think that's the thing that uh, Bruce uh, is such a great guy and uh, a people person and he's trying not to offend you too much. And, well, with Rick, he's going to be right in your face, and uh, you know where you're going to stand. And how big of a shock do you think that's going to be for some of the players on this team as the season goes on here? Well, <laughs> most teams, it's like that. Mm-hmm. You look around the league, how many coaches are like that? Yeah. Not very many. Now it's the game has changed where uh, the players have more power, and uh, there's very few that are that kind of, we're going to challenge you. Bruce Cassidy would be the same kind of mentality as Rick Tockett. It's, it's been interesting, some of the, uh, like the, like the message that Tockett has been sending, or at least what he's been saying in his media availabilities, it, just kind of like breaking it down and trying to like build this team up from, from the basic fundamentals, right? Like we need stronger line changes, uh, got to gotta play for our teammates and, you know, live for the next shift, all these things that, that you know, you don't normally hear from NHL coaches, but it seems like his, his thing is I got to build this thing up from, from, from gr- basically the ground and start from there. Well, that's, I, I think that's his attitude coming in is okay. Here we are. How many coaches would call a team soft yeah. in their second game? Not many. No. And I'm sure there's the, some coaches that would never use that word. No. And, and that game was, you watched it, we ended up talking more about the Kraken than the Canucks. Well, and they're in a situation here, too, with how the season is going, this organization looking to turn the roster over. I, I, don't, I think, like, outside of what? Three or four guys, including Pedersen, do you really care if he really pisses somebody off and somebody doesn't want to be here anymore? Like, I don't think they, they really care about that at this stage, do they? Well, you go up and down the lineup and, and you say, okay, uh, if this guy, do you think this guy's going to be here next year? Yeah. And there's, how many would you say? Out of the 18 that are dressing tonight, and the two goalies. Let's include the two goalies, too. How many will be here next year out of the 20 guys that will be dressing tonight? I'd Half? S- uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'd say 
conservatively, I'd say uh, a dozen, 12. I'd go half. Yeah, yeah. maybe or at 11, fewer. 10 or 11, right? Probably the, the over-under number is probably around 12, 12 and a half. Yeah, I'd say yeah, like 12 that. and a half, 11 and a half or something, you'd, you'd say is the over-under. But I think the biggest challenge... Fan like, duel or is this bet three six five? BCLC, five BCLC. Come on, Sats, uh, yeah. Sats BCLC. Yeah. We're all, oh, we're all oh, BCLC. We're all BCLC. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I don't want to plug people that. And now I'll never come on again. You'll never <laughs> ask me on again. No, but but I mean, like we talked about. It, Hey, if it was up to this team, if it was up to this front office, Cheech, maybe that number would be five, right? Maybe it'd be four. But, you know, the no, you have to replace. That's the thing but, is, but you, the guys, you yeah. have to have people yeah. out there. They have yeah. to, you have to present an NHL team. And also, like, how easy is it moving a lot of these guys? And I think that's been uh, the, the biggest challenge, right? Now, on the back end, like, and, and a lot of talk is about the defense and how they can play better as a team for the defense to be more successful. We talked about the goaltending has not, not been good enough, but... You know, is there a way in the future to to be better defensively despite not having those horses? Oh, you just watch the goals that went in in Seattle, and uh, there was a couple of them. Uh, well, uh, you looked at uh, the Tampa Bay game, and uh, they're so good. And uh, but in Seattle, Oliver Ekman Larson and Tyler Myers, uh, two veteran defensemen, over on the same side of the ice, and it puck goes over the other side, and uh, Bjorkstrand is standing there by himself. He's got 10 seconds to shoot it in. And that's just, okay, that's discipline. That's just, and that's what they're talking about with the predictability. Predictability is you stay in your own lane and you stay in your own position and the penalty killer. And it was uh, Elias and Dakota Joshua. And they throw it side to side out high at the blue line and they both try and knock it down. And it goes by them, and then the lane is 15 feet wide that they can throw it across. <laughs> yeah. And the cross-ice pass goes through, and boom, and it's in the net. And that's just, uh, you you're stay back and don't guess, and uh, predictable is the word. It's sustainable. It's sustainable, Sat, <laughs> if you're predictable. Bad. Yes, very, mu- very much so. <laughs> uh, before we let you go, I'm looking at the box score of this 13-2 game that <laughs> you were just telling us about. Hey, you, you Look at all the fighting majors in that oh one. Oh, my God. This this box score is insane. There's I couldn't even count. There's one, two, three, four, five, six fights. Uh, like, Five-game misconducts in Oh, here. I know. I know. We had no defenseman. You'll like this story. You'll like this story. Okay, I'm over by the bench, and uh, it's one of those line brawls. And Doug Crossman is holding on to Doug Lidster right in front of the bench. And Bill Forge leans over, and he's right in both their faces. He goes, hit him, Dougie. Hit him, Dougie. And they didn't know which Dougie he was talking to. They, and neither one was a fighter. Hit him, Dougie. Hit him, Dougie. Which Dougie do you mean, Bill? Uh, you did You did have a better save percentage that night than uh, Oh, I did. And see how many shots. I don't know how many minutes I played, but there was like 35 <laughs> shots or something once I went in. Uh, 32 shots and 30 minutes on the ice. Ah, uh, there. We split it. Yeah. Uh, almost uh, almost in half. Yeah, uh, you were good enough to play for this next team. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, Tockett did score that night. Uh, don't know if it was against you or King Richard. Well, what time of the game? Because I, I came uh, in late, so. Yeah, it was well, uh, halfway 336 through. in the second. So No, that would have been Richard. All right. That would have been Richard. Uh, so you still got that on uh, on yeah. Tockett. We'll he could never score with <laughs> me, that guy. Uh, you're the best, Teach. Thanks for this. <laughs> okay, thanks. Uh, there is John Garrett joining us.
as he does every week on Canuck Central. Usually Thursdays, but today uh, he did it on Friday. Up next, Patrick Alvine, Canucks general manager, joins us for an exclusive interview on Canuck Central.